Welcome to the Soul Grit Podcast. I'm Ann Taylor McNeese, and I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist. I also love Jesus, and I'm passionate about all things gospel and therapy. I created Soul Grit to be at the intersection of mental health and Christian faith. Christ followers need a place to ask questions and get answers about mental health. Join me as we dive into real stories and real questions from people who want to honor God with their hearts, souls, and minds. Welcome back to the Soul Grit Podcast. Today we're talking about when do you need to go see a mental health counselor and when is it okay to go see your pastor for the problems that you're dealing with. I have my friend Jessica Doan on the podcast today. You're really going to love her. I have loved getting to know her. A funny story about the friendship between Jess and me. We never met in person, but we Marco Poloed each other almost daily for a whole year. And then she decided to fly out with her two children and spend a few days with me here with my children. And everybody thought we were crazy. She's had a friend that was saying, text me when you get there, call me and let me know she's a real person. Because we'd never met each other in person, but we just trusted each other enough to know that we were going to hit it off. So you'll see here in the conversation that we really enjoy each other and we're really passionate about this topic of faith integration. And we want to do justice to both mental health counselors and pastors here and to the people who seek help from both of them. So I hope you enjoy this conversation. All right. Today we are talking to my friend, Jessica Doan, and she is somebody that you are really going to love. She is a student in a marriage and family therapy program in Indiana, and she has more wisdom than she should really be allowed to have because um, even though she's a student, she is somebody who has that natural counseling ability and the also the ability just to um, put herself forward as somebody who also needs to, you know, practice self-care, practice taking care of her mental health. And she's really authentic. And I think you're going to love her. So Jess, welcome to the Soul Grit podcast. I thank you for being here and tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah. Thanks, Anne. That was a really kind and gracious (laughs) introduction of me. Um, Yeah. So like you said, I'm a student. I have um, a year left of graduate school. Um, Counseling has been my passion um, since as long as I can remember. And so um, even just like learning about people and learning about how to help people is just something that has always really driven me. So um, I'm excited to be here and talk just about um, how today, you know, how Christianity and counseling fit together. It's one of my biggest passions. Mm -hmm. Um, So I'm excited. So Jess, you are a fellow Jesus lover. So Mm -hmm. tell us about how long have you been walking with Jesus? Yeah. So, um, I love me some Jesus (laughs) (laughs) too. Um, I, so I've been in church kind of on and off my whole life, um, consistently since around 13, but I, always say that I didn't actually become saved and find my own faith until I was 19 um, and just was going through some stuff and the Lord met me in just some of the deepest, darkest places 
um, and spoke to me and changed my life radically in a way that I didn't know was possible, even though I um, had heard of Jesus and knew Jesus, um, having that experience with him, it changed everything. And then you got married, right? Yeah, I got married. Um, you know, we were laughing about this the other day. So I was like, wait, how, how old exactly were we? I might have <laughs> been 22. I feel like I should have only been 21. Um, but I think we were 22. I don't know. We've been married um, almost 13 years. So yeah, I guess I was 22 um, when we got married. And yeah. And your husband, Doug, is also a pastor, right? Yes. Yep. He is a pastor at our church. So this actually gives you a little bit more of that unique insight that we're looking into because today we're talking about the church and mental health and pastors in particular and how they view mental health and, and what just regular church people need to know about their pastor's ability to help them. So I know you have some unique insight because you've been part of the pastoral leadership for a while. And also because you do a lot of counseling from your church, even without having the professional license yet, you're still doing some of that pastoral counseling with your husband or individually. So tell us a little bit what that looks like at your church. Yeah, so um, my husband is currently the associate pastor at our church, Um, but like you said, we've been involved in ministry since we were teenagers, um, and I am kind of have fallen into the role of the go-to if you need some some help, you're feeling down, you're overwhelmed, whatever. I'm one of the go-to people in our church, Um, and so right now our role includes we're just doing some couple mentorship trying to help my my husband understand like how to do counseling because he's he feels just a little weak in that but he's comparing himself to me so it's really not a fair fair assessment so like I have a little more training in that and so um and then my pastoral where I've worked with pastoral leadership in our churches I sat on our board of elders for a while. I've worked closely with our pastor. Um, I've worked in helping with leadership development, just kind of, I don't know, jack of all trades when it comes to that. (laughs) Wherever my skills can fit, I kind of plug in and and try to help out. Yeah. Today, we're going to ask this question and you and I can toss it around a little bit, but when is it appropriate for somebody to go to their pastor to ask for help or counseling And when do they maybe need to look more towards a professional licensed mental health counselor? Yeah, I think this is a tough question just because traditionally there's some, there's just some tension, I think, in the church and within the field of counseling, um, particularly because counseling technically comes from sciences. And so we start looking at integration of faith, it can get really muddy and I think we're starting to head in the right track to trajectory where the church is becoming more accepting of mental health. Um, but I feel like there's still tension there that we mm-hmm. need to acknowledge. But I think when we're looking at, you're going through a hard time, is this a discussion for my pastor or is this something where I need to seek out additional su- support from someone who's trained formally? Yeah, I think with that, I would look at probably the severity of what's going on. Is this just like a minor hiccup? Is this just a, 
what what you would consider a minor minor hurdle? Is this something that's been going on for a long time in your life? I feel like it can become a really complicated question. Mm-hmm. And it might even be something that I would encourage people to go with what they're probably most comfortable with initially. Mm-hmm. Start there would be probably the best move to make. Um, because if you're more comfortable talking to your pastor, I'd rather you do that than um, do nothing. I think that's mm-hmm. probably the, the better option there. Um, but then looking at once you get into that, is this deeper than just basic life issues that, that occur? Mm-hmm. So w- one of the concerns I've had for a while is that some pastors go to seminary and some don't, or a Bible college or a Christian university. Some do and some don't. And whether or not you went to seminary, you may have had a counseling course and you may not have. So th- th- that's not necessarily a part of the education of every pastor. And those who have had counseling courses, sometimes it's very minimal, one or two classes. And so when you compare what, say, you or I have had to go through to become a counselor with two or three years of advanced study, plus 3,000 plus hours of internship, mm-hmm. like there's quite a bit that goes into becoming a mental health professional. And so I think sometimes for us, we can see like pastors definitely have a place in counseling their congregations and they always have, but Mm -hmm. there is going to come a time where pastors need to refer out. And so what does that look like to you? Like do, do pastors know when to refer out? Mm, Yeah. So this one just brings up, I think this is another tense topic, right? Because um, I never want to give off the impression that pastors can't be helpers because I think that absolutely like pastors have a role in the healing process, a very important role mm-hmm. in that process. You know, I, I think about my experience with my pastor in particular, and he has a lot of wisdom. He, whether it's from life experience and just the work that I know he's done with people, he has wisdom, but then I think there does come a point that there might be deeper seated mental health issues that need to be addressed, like diagnosable issues that might be occurring. There might be um, some deeply rooted family dynamics that if you're unaware of those, um, you can't address something that you're not aware of what's happening, what's occurring, what's going on. I think that is where, I don't not to draw a line in the sand, but I do think that's where things, when working with a, a biblical counselor, pastoral counselor, that isn't trained in mental health um, might need to consider referrals out if you're a pastor. When we start noticing, wait, we're getting stuck or we're not making progress. This seems this seems deeper than what my knowledge base is. And honestly, that's any good counselor. And I think you know that, right? Like even <laughs> as trained mental health professionals, we have to know when when our, what we call scope of practice, when that ends, like where competency ends and working with the client and saying, this is beyond what I am competent in. This is beyond what I'm capable of. And continuing to work with that person at that point potentially can do more harm than good. And I think, you know, when we're talking about this, the barrier to referring out does become, I want to help, right? We want to help people and especially as pastors, their role is to be the shepherd of their flock, the caretaker. So in that they do take on a responsibility for their congregants, right? 
So they want to help. And so I think reminding ourselves that sometimes um, people are going to present with issues that are beyond what, what we're competent in dealing with and what we're capable of dealing with. And that's not a that's not to say that we're incompetent human beings. That's just to say within our skill set, our abilities, someone else would be better versed in dealing with this and actually helping them get through their healing journey quicker and, and better. Well, some of the barriers that prevent a person from seeking mental health counseling versus going to their pastor, let's, let's talk about those. You mentioned money before we got mm-hmm. on the recording. What does that look like in your community? Yeah, so um, where I'm at, it's pretty rural and, um, you know, we're farmers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Most of us, you know, we're from farming community and a lot of people, money is just really, it's tight. And um, trying to justify spending a lot of money on your mental health um, can be a really big ask Mm -hmm. for the people in my community. And so it it does become easier to go to the pastor because the pastor will do it for free. Mm -hmm. I think that that's probably one of the barriers. I can talk about more. I have loads of barriers. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. And just to speak to the money barrier, there's another episode that we just put out about finding a counselor. And so one of the things Mm -hmm. to think about is your health insurance is a way to get low cost counseling. And also in this age of post pandemic or mid pandemic, wherever we might be, (laughs) that most counselors have um, switched to online or virtual counseling. So even if your small farming community doesn't have a qualified Christian counselor that takes your particular insurance, you have access to your whole state. So it really does doesn't need to be as much of a barrier any longer. Yeah, I think that's the one of the beautiful things when we look at the pandemic and um, one of the beautiful things that did come from that is this move towards telehealth. And even in my area, sometimes the issue isn't even just like paying for the session, but it's how am I going to get to the session? Um, we have, you know, some people within our church community that they aren't fluent in English, mm-hmm. um, but trying to travel to the big city, right? For us, it's a big deal to travel to the city, to travel to the big city, got a, an hour one-way commute to see someone who might be a bilingual counselor. Mm-hmm. That can be really difficult. Yeah. And that is a huge barrier in our community. And we don't have enough bilingual counselors around here. So I love that point of um, with telehealth and the ability to see a counselor virtually. I feel like that's really invaluable. Yeah, it's really, really helpful. So what's maybe your next top barrier for people um, wanting to see mental health versus their pastor? You know, if I could speak frankly about that, I would say um, the best way I could put it is there is a stigma regarding mental health issues within the faith community and within the church. I've heard statements from clients and congregants the same. Um, that would say, please don't tell me to pray my depression away. Mm-hmm. Don't tell me that I just need more Jesus. Mm-hmm. If I just had more Jesus, then I wouldn't be anxious. And it there's this these kind of statements that they just perpetuate shame. And so then we're like, oh no, so if I'm depressed, that must mean I must not have enough faith. Mm-hmm. If I'm if I'm having a lot of anxiety, then that must mean that I don't have a close relationship with Jesus and I just need to walk more with Jesus. Mm-hmm. And so 
it's either I've heard both a fear of they're afraid that that's what a Christian counselor might say to them is mm-hmm. if I go see a Christian counselor, are they simply going to tell me, read my Bible more. They're going to like, in my opinion, misquote scripture, these like feel good cliche scriptures that actually they're not edifying in the moment. They're not validating of the experience. I think that's a piece of it. And then I think there's another piece where um, in the church community, things can be said along those lines of, well, if you were just, they're not saying it in these words. So I want to be careful to make that clear because I'm going to say it. And then everybody's going to say, nobody says, I would never say that, but you might be saying it in your actions and saying, (laughs) if I were just a better Christian, then I wouldn't have all, all of this stuff going on. And the Um, reaction is I'm going to pretend like I don't have stuff going on so I can prove that I'm a better Christian. (laughs) Oh, friend, that is a whole (laughs) nother podcast for a whole nother day. Absolutely. That happens. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I also want to point out, and you may even have more uh, current literature than I do, but um, in studying the, the way that different cultures approach their pastoral relationship, as well as their relationship with mental health um, professionals, it may be more likely, depending on even the demographic of your church or the cultural background of your church, that there's um, certain cultures that are more likely to approach their pastor and allow their pastor to speak into their life and have authority over their, their issues than to go see a mental health counselor. Oh yeah, 100%. I mean, there are a lot of cultures that you don't, you don't go ask other people for help, right? Like that's, this isn't necessarily a pride issue, how those of us in from Western individualistic culture would view it, but it's this like this. So I, you know, I'm trained in family counseling. And so I think about this from family perspective and um, sometimes the family dynamic in the cultural, the, from a cultural perspective would say, this is our problem. We don't need to talk to other people about it because this is our problem. Mm-hmm. Um, but like you said, it would be more acceptable for them to go to um, either a spiritual advisor, their pastor, whomever, um, that that would be acceptable because then this is within our faith. This is within our religion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we can accept those answers better. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So any other barriers you want to talk about or you want to Um, I'm sure that there's more that are there. I think the biggest ones are probably the stigma within the church, um, finances. um, And I think this is even outside outside of the faith community, but just having um, a stigma around going to see a counselor and this belief that I'm, I'm starting to recognize that the only time you need to go see a counselor is if you're in crisis, instead of going to see a counselor, maybe to process some things that you're going through mm-hmm. or just mental health checkups. Yeah. Sometimes I think people think, well, I'm doing okay. Mm-hmm. I'm not laying in bed all day. So it's, I'm not, it could always be worse is one that I hear. It yeah. could always be worse. And so we minimize what we're going through um, and just allow it to build up until we are in crisis. Yeah. And I know that you and I both go to therapy more for like a maintenance kind of like, don't Mm -hmm. let things get out of hand situation. And I always uh, 
compare that to like a car, like you take care of your car. You don't wait until you're broken down on the side of the road to take your car in for maintenance. You get your oil changes and you get your hundred thousand mile mm -hmm. checkups and, and all those things. So if you treat your, your mental health or, or maybe it's a relationship issue, marriage counseling, for example, you treat that as a maintenance kind of well-being check then you don't ever have those major malfunctions, the major meltdowns yeah. on the side of the road. Yeah, it sure does. Yeah, I see my therapist primarily for maintenance and we still have lots of work to do. <laughs> we still have lots, lots of work to do just in the maintenance. And I do think if we could normalize going to therapy just for the sake of you know working on, we all have work to do. We all have work that we can do. Um, it could minimize some of those catastrophes that occur. Sometimes life happens. And so you might find yourself in trauma. You might find yourself in a situation that's sudden, but typically, you know, I'm also a fitness instructor. So I like to think <laughs> in, in fitness metaphors. And I'm thinking about, you know, if you exercise and you keep pushing your body and pushing your body and you never take the time to actually take care of the rest portion of it, which, which is what I would refer to as therapy in your life injury will come. It's not a matter of if it's going to come, mm -hmm. it's coming for you, yeah. right? We have to take time to stretch and to do restorative care, which is what therapy is. It's restorative care for our soul. Mm -hmm. If we don't do that, then we are so much more prone to injury. Just like if you don't change your oil in your car, you're going to blow your engine up. Like it's just going to happen, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. We talked a little bit before about boundaries that pastors might be able to have and, and I'm, we're just having this conversation. I know there may be some counselors and some pastors that listen to this conversation, but for the average person that is listening, what, what's a boundary that they may be able to expect from their pastor if they uh, go approach their pastor for counseling? What, what do you think as a mental health professional that would be a healthy boundary for a pastor to have with a congregant? Yeah. The first thing that, that comes to my mind is time. Um, pastors can be really pressed for time and they, they want to help everybody. And they, you know, you don't become a pastor without having a love and a care for people and wanting to help people. And so I think one of the things um, is if they, they very well may put time constraints around what I would see as healthy. This is, I should, I should clarify what a, a healthy pastor might do would say, put time constraints, as long as you're not in active crisis on what to do. That's something that I think would be really beneficial. So whether that's saying, you know, yeah, we can meet, but let's schedule a time instead of you just popping in whenever. I think that could be really beneficial for pastors. I think another healthy boundary would be what we talked about before with regards to pastors um, talking to you and realizing that you may need additional supports from mental health clinicians. Um, they very well may put that boundary in place and saying, you know, I, I don't, I think I want to add a caveat here that I don't think it has to be an either or thing. Mm -hmm. I don't think that you have to see either your pastor or your therapist. You can do both. And I think that they can complement each other really well. And so it could be your pastor saying, hey, we're coming up against some things here that exceed my limitations is what I can provide. So this would be a great time to refer to other Christian counselors in your area. 
that's something that I could see pastors um, benefiting from. You had mentioned that some pastors will say, I'll do three sessions with you. And if we're not resolving things in that amount of time, then that's a good time to refer. I've also heard pastors, Mm -hmm. especially when it's a male pastor with a female congregant, to say uh, it's a one and done kind of situation. Mm -hmm. So if the pastor could meet with this woman one time to go over Mm -hmm. things, and then at that point, his goal may be either to find another woman in the in the staff or the congregation that could be a good support for this woman or to refer to a qualified mental health counselor. Yeah, I love the the three session rule and you know I think if we're speaking to pastors in particular here, you know, they might have to work out exactly what their magic number is. Yeah. Right? It could be 3, it could be 5. I I don't think that that number is particularly important um, as much as it is to say there it's a it would be helpful to have some type of a standard to say this is this is a good measure for how I know it's beyond my what we would call scope of practice and I think the you know if a male pastor is meeting with um, a female congregant someone of the opposite sex I think that there's always so much wisdom in having a lot of constraints on there, which also can work against their being able to progress because sometimes like our pastor has the expectation, the boundary that he doesn't meet with women alone. And so then that is, okay, so how does that work with that woman feeling comfortable and speaking to someone else that, that maybe she doesn't have either a relationship with, or even the, just kind of the respect for that she would have for her pastor. So I think those are both really wise boundaries that I would encourage pastors to consider for sure. Yeah. Okay. So I want to shift gears a little bit because you and I both have kind of like this passion for faith integration in counseling. Mm -hmm. Like we believe with all our hearts that if you're going to counseling, you need to have your spiritual life tied into that. And that the best healing that you're going to get is when we look at you as a holistic person, your body, mind, soul, spirit. And so when we ask about your faith or your spiritual life, that that's going to be integral for your healing. Mm -hmm. So I want to just look at this spectrum here. So we have like secular or purely clinical counseling on one end of the spectrum. And then on the other end of the spectrum, we have purely biblical or pastoral counseling. And then Mm -hmm. there's people like you and I who kind of exist in the middle of this, where we have the clinical training, we have the pastoral heart, Mm -hmm. and then we combine those things by using like evidence-based practices that are, are scientifically proven to help people with mental health needs, while at the same time integrating practices like uh, prayer and the use of scripture and talking about the deeper things of of the the walk with Jesus. So can you speak to a little bit how you conceptualize the differences between these different types of counseling? Yeah, I think I'll speak to the, the pastoral perspective first. And I think from that point of view, they come from this idea. I think, um, you know, we believe, I know you and I agree on this. We believe like all truth is God's truth. Right. Mm -hmm. And um, we believe that what the, what scripture has to say has power in it. And Mm -hmm. there is, I feel like I, and I think you would agree with me on this, but Jesus is where healing comes from, right? That's where it comes from. 
And so pastors come in with this perspective, which is absolutely from a faith integrated point of view. Yes, you're right. Like Jesus is, is the way, like we need Jesus in the healing journey. The, the area that they could be lacking in, and it is that what you called, you talked about the evidence-based practices, the things that we know, like we know this is backed up by science. This is going to help people. Not the, um, what did my research professor called it? He was like the sample size of one. Like sometimes, um, anecdotal evidence. Yeah. Like, well, this worked with that person. So it would work with this other person, but instead backing what they're doing that might not be something that pastors are aware of or even have the capacity to like know because they're they're doing so many other things well absolutely not so I think that from that perspective you know you go see a biblical counselor understanding the difference there is they're really working out of the bible they're really talking about what scripture says praying with you walking with you in your faith healing journey right Um, Then you have the other end of the spectrum of secular counselors who are in the middle where, yes, we are trained for cultural competency no matter what, right? And that includes faith where as counselors, we are challenged to meet people with where they're at. Secular counselors that may not hold the same beliefs as a Christian, they're not going to understand scripture. They're not going to necessarily understand how that is going to apply into your journey. And as a Christian, that very well may be very important Mm -hmm. to how you're um, understanding the problem, how you're understanding your role in the problem and how healing happens and occurs. I hope I'm answering your question. Am I getting there Mm -hmm. (laughs) at this point? Yeah. So I think, you know, when you think about going to see just mental, purely mental health clinicians, it might be more difficult or more, I kind of see it as awkward, I guess, for them to bring in some of those pieces um, for someone who's a Christian that's important for them. Mm -hmm. So then for people like you and I who have that training, the clinical training, plus the uh, biblical background, things like that, I really feel like we have like a superpower. Mm -hmm. I'm biased, of course, but I feel like... (laughs) I feel like when when we can do uh, like those clinical interventions, but still have um, the heart of a pastor while we're doing it, like the people have access to more healing power. Like the Holy Spirit meets me in my counseling room, yeah. even if I'm doing cognitive behavior therapy or EMDR or Gottman method, yeah. the Holy Spirit is there working in that that place. And that's why it's so important for me. If I go to therapy, I'm only going to a Christian counselor. And I know that's not always possible or always the best fit for everybody. But for me, that's really important because I want that Holy Spirit power to be there. So I think too, as you're talking about it, I agree. My my counselor is a Christian counselor. um, And then as someone who's a counselor in training, coming from a Christian perspective, whether my client specifically wants me to actively integrate scripture, prayer, whatever that may be into the session, the Holy Spirit is still my biggest tool in that room. I can't tell you how many times I have silently been praying to myself in session and a seemingly coincidental epiphany will occur, right? Mm -hmm. And coming from the perspective of I don't believe in coincidences. I believe in divine intervention and trusting like the Holy Spirit speaking to me and telling me something. So I'm even in session, even if I'm not saying anything overtly Jesus-y, right? I'm still in conversation with the Lord the whole time and trusting 
that the Lord is, is going to help me be the counselor that my client is needing. And then even as a client who sees, so I think sometimes people think, you know, if I go to a Christian counselor, are they just going to read scripture to me? I've, I've had clients say that to me, like, are you just going to quote scripture to me <laughs> if I tell you that I want to integrate faith? And with my counselor in particular, I see a Christian counselor. Sometimes she'll talk about specific verses and and sometimes we do pray before and after each session. It's not anything like lengthy. It's just a quick little, you know, help us in this moment, Lord. And then we trust the process there that, that the Lord will show up. So I do think, like you said, the power of the Holy Spirit, the power of prayer, both in session and even outside of session is really huge. And I think you're right. Yes, we're biased, Stan, and I think that's okay. But we do, I feel like, hold this really nice, sweet spot for Christians, we have the knowledge and the training and the understanding of human psychology and human behavior and you and I in particular family and system dynamics. And we also hold faith and biblical knowledge and the power of the healing that comes from the word mm -hmm. and the Holy Spirit, like you said. Yeah. And just to add on to what you're saying that I go for full sessions without talking about Jesus or the Bible or anything like that. Like if it doesn't always have to be front and center in what we're doing in the counseling room, but then there's other sessions where we're not doing so much of the clinical interventions. We're really getting into uh, where's the issue with your theology right now, mm -hmm. because your theology, what you think about God is affecting how you see yourself or how you see this relationship. And, and so sometimes we're getting into that kind of stuff. But I have to say, even though I'm a Christian counselor and that's what people seek me out for, I very rarely pray with clients. It's, mm. it's more of like, uh, when, when the moment's really intense and that's the only response we can have, that's when I pray, yeah. but I don't do the opening and closing prayers. I know some counselors do, and, and that's kind of what, if you've been raised in the church, you kind of expect that whatever, whatever gathering you're going into, whether that's lunch or mm -hmm. a work day or whatever, we're going to pray first and we're going to pray last. <laughs> that's what we do. Yeah. But I don't always run my sessions that way unless that's really what the client needs. And yeah, like you, I see clients that are non-Christians and mm -hmm. I still pray for them. Yeah. Yeah. And I, you know, I, I, I would say the same thing. So um, it just depends on how I'm going to interweave faith directly, whether that's scripture, praying, whatever it is, it depends on the client. And this is where I would say to the people listening to this that aren't pastors, aren't mental health clinicians, what I would say to you is just because maybe you tried one counselor, maybe you tried and it felt awkward or weird, or, you know, maybe they, they did pray and you didn't want them to pray or they didn't pray and you wanted them to pray. It's okay to try again and try someone else. And each person's style is just going to fit differently. And I think this is just something that just in general, people don't understand with counseling, this is a relationship too. Yes. And some people you just click with and some people you don't click with. And that's not anything wrong with either one of you. It's just relationship at that point. I think that's really valuable. I'm a very relational counselor. And so I'm going to be, come in, I'm going to be casual. I'm going to share about myself because I want you to trust me. 
And I want you to know that I'm a normal person that struggles with some of the same things that you're struggling with. And that, yeah, I think that's probably one of the most important things to me is that we form a relationship. So just kind of wrap up here, Jess, is there anything else that you would like to say about this topic of people seeking counseling, either from pastors, from mental health professionals, what, what they can expect from that? The thing I always encourage people when it comes to counseling is the time I spend with my therapist is some of the most valuable time that that I spend throughout the week. And I think that sometimes therapy can feel really scary or you think like, if I'm going to therapy, I must be crazy. Something must be wrong with me. And I hold just such a a gentler approach to Mm -hmm. that. Like, even if you are struggling with mental health issues, even if you are having a hard time in your marriage with your children, even if you're, you are severely depressed or you have something that could be diagnosable, all of that comes from just wounding. Right. And so it doesn't mean that there's anything necessarily inherently wrong with you. Mm. It's just that, that you need a little bit, a little bit of support, a little more support from someone. So I always encourage people, you know, if you're even willing to consider it, go try, go try, because I see just the enormous benefits from going to counseling. And I still talk to my pastor from a biblical biblical counseling perspective. It doesn't mean, well, I see a counselor now. I don't talk to him at all ever. (laughs) Right. Like I think that, like I said earlier, um, specifically with the topic of pastors and counseling and then versus mental health clinicians, this is where we hold that space of, and both, you can do both. You can do both. And there's so much power. I've seen a lot of power when, when those two come together as a team yeah. instead of as opposing forces, which sometimes it can feel that way. Mm-hmm. Great. Well, just one way that we're wrapping up today is just to ask you about your soul care. The soul is important. And I want to know how you're taking care of yourself. Ah, yes. So with this topic here, this is something that I'm learning is a learning process. And so what has worked for me in one season may not work in other seasons. And so, you know, I'm a graduate student, I work, I have children at home, I have ministry that I'm in, I've got my hands on a lot of things right now. And soul care is probably one of the most important things that I can do to, to make sure that I can continue to press on and press forward and the things God's called me to do. So it changes from season to season, um, the things I'm doing in life, but currently in this season, and probably I would say this is one of the most steadfast things for me is um, time in the word. And I can really tell a difference. Those days that I don't get my Bible time in, I feel more rushed. I just feel heavier. My thoughts are more negative on those days. I'm really having a hard time meditating on the things that are good on the days that I'll spend time in the word. And alongside that, I also, I have a journal that goes along with my Bible study and it's just general bullet points that include like, write your scripture for the day. How do you apply the scripture? Include some gratitude prompts and things that I need, you know, for my mind, my heart, my soul from the Lord. That really just helps me to focus and to to remind myself of the important things. You know, what are the most important things? And not to just like, sometimes sometimes reading the Bible can feel like we're just checking a box on the day. So it really helps me to get intentional. Another thing for me is getting outside. No matter what I'm doing out there, I can just be sitting in a hammock. I can just be sitting on the porch, going for a walk. 
a hike, a run, it doesn't matter what it is, just to get outside. Um, I'm learning the smells and the sounds of nature are one of the things that for me, um, just bring calming and peace to my soul, no matter what is going on in my life. And another one that I'm realizing um, as someone who I profess to be an introvert. And so I self-identify kind of question. I get questioned on that a lot because I (laughs) present extrovertedly, but I'm an introvert. Um, I can use that as an excuse to isolate myself and to just kind of draw within myself. And then I've found that too much of that results in me feeling, you know, lonely and depressed and just really down. And so taking time to be intentional with socializing with people who I can pour into and that pour back into me is one of the most soul rejuvenating things that I can do. I think those are my top three right now. Yeah. Ask me in a year, Anne, they'll probably look a little different. So, And I'll say, we'll just see. go take a nap. Yeah, <laughs> right. That, I know that you're right. That is probably what you're thinking. And sleep is one of those things, but it's hard for me to put that down because I'm not sure where that, where that happens. Yeah. <laughs> so. Well, Jess, it's been really good to talk to you about this. You have so much wisdom about this topic and you just are a winsome person. And I thank you for being here. So thanks for being here, Jess. Yeah, thanks. It was an honor. Well, I hope you enjoyed that conversation as much as I did. I love Jess's perspective on when we need to seek mental health counseling and when we can really trust our pastors for support. I hope that you will share this with a counselor, a pastor, or somebody that you know just needs some support around their emotional health or their spiritual health. I love that you're listening and that we can get a message out to other people that there is hope for mental health within the Christian faith. So thank you for being here. And remember that if you'd like to continue to be a part of our launch team, you can email me at info at soulgritresources.com and we'll get you started. Thank you. The Soul Grit Podcast is a production of Soul Grit Resources. You can find more at soulgritresources.com or on the socials at soulgritresources. You can email me at info at soulgritresources.com.